This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast for myself, Ross and Joe, took everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, gents, how are we doing? Ross, are you feeling good? I'm doing good, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Um, just uni work's piling up a little bit, so it's getting a little bit stressful, but um, yeah, not too bad, personally. Uh, Joe, how about yourself? Um, yeah, not, not too bad. I mean, the last two performances have been pretty flat, so it's nothing to get too excited about, but yeah, not, not too bad, though. Oh, yeah, well, Dons-wise, it's not exactly been the most uh, entertaining football, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, we'll get on to that. Um, before we started, I just wanted to mention um, a fundraising event that um, one of the one of my biggest supporters in Connor Lawson and a few of his mates are doing um, in terms of raising money for Calm, which is a campaign against Living Miserably. Um, I'm sure it's a campaign that us three gents can get behind massively. And as a podcast, we've donated ourselves. Um, the gents are essentially running um, 100km in November each uh, to raise money for that uh, calm. And they're already at £600, which is a really good achievement. And um, we're hoping that they can raise even more money throughout November. Um, and, you know, if you want to check out their story, uh, donate or just keep track of how they're doing, um, I'll be leaving the uh, Just Giving link in the description of the podcast. So you can check that out and, uh, yeah, read all about it. So before we got on to Northampton, gents, um, we wanted to touch upon um, the Gaffer's one-year anniversary as manager. Um, obviously, last night, it was officially one year since he took over um, from retirement and became the manager of the club. And, um, yeah, we just want to talk about some of our favourite moments um, with him in charge. Uh, Ross, why don't you kick us off with some of your favourite moments as Russell Martin's year anniversary as Gaffer, I suppose? Yeah, um, obviously, Russ... He's a fan's favourite and going in the right uh, direction in terms of um, how he's loved by the fans. I think it's quite similar to how the Carl Robinson was when he was at our club. Um, yeah, one moment which really stuck out for me was the Oxford game. I think we were uh, we had 
we were a 12 winless run at the, at the time and um, we beat an inform Oxford side and I think it gave us a belief and I think what uh, really st uh, stuck out at that game was um, we had the welcoming or, or the introduction of the Russell Martin, Martin fist pump in front of the cow shed <laughs> and I I'm sure you two boys can vouch for me here but we're all missing it already oh definitely yeah, yeah. definitely yeah I just wanted to, just, to, just to say thank you to Russ more than anything for bringing that relationship between us and um, the club, which may have been lost in the past couple of years, and that belief. But you, you can just tell that the, 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 there's a whole positive environment around the club from the players just wanting to play for him, under him, and thriving under him. So I haven't really got any bad words to say to him, apart from congratulations on his uh, one-year anniversary. Yeah, so I'd echo everything you said there, Ross. And yeah, congratulations to Russ. Uh, it turns to me, it's not really a particular moment. Um, I'm just kind of enjoying watching Don's like, week in, week out again. Um, haven't really done it like this much in a number of years now. And obviously, you know, I've, I've always been vocal on my opinions on them because that's just the way I am. And I do feel like I've got a good understanding of the club and where they want to be and things like that um but yeah i'm just really enjoying watching them again even if forwards aren't great and obviously this is all the main reasons why we started this podcast was because of how we all felt in how the club's sort of taken a turn this past year since Russ took over and you know we've got this far and let's hope for many more years with Russ in charge uh, at this club uh joe did you want to touch on your favorite moments from Russ's tenure so far yeah, I think it's just given, given with um, we had Tisdale and Nielsen before, and it always the, the connection was never there, and the football wasn't great. And I mean, Tisdale did the job. There's no denying that, but it never felt like you'd, you'd you were looking forward to going to the games. And I think we were starting to get that under Russ. And one game that really stuck out for me was the Portsmouth game. I think it was it was three one in the end, but the, the, their goal came on really late, and it was just. I think it, it was an accumulation of some really good performances and it was really great to actually, you know, get a really big result, at home, especially at home in front of, in front of all the fans. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good to finally just, just, yeah, like you said, be excited to go and watch the club again. Yeah. I say it's a shame we all can't be at the stadium, you know, home and away and things like that. But unfortunately with this crazy year as it's been so far, um, that's not been an option. And hopefully by, by the end of the season or, or into next season, we get the opportunity once again because uh, obviously we miss it loads. And that's why we sure we speak for everyone as a fan base and other clubs in terms of missing going to football every Saturday. So, yeah, we um, we had a game last night against Southampton Town. Um, it was four draw. It was, uh, it was, there wasn't a great game, let's be honest. Uh, I think we're all in agreement on that. Um, you know, if we spoke about the crew game previously in the season and how that was. I know one of the worst performances we've seen under uh, Russ Martin. I think he said that himself. Um, but when you look at the XG numbers, um, we can create 0.5 XG against Crew, um, and we actually create only 0.3 XG against Northampton. So it was not only our worst uh, XG performance of the season, which kind of speaks volumes of how poor we were going forward. Um, and to put it even more, uh, or emphasised even more, more likely, uh, it was Hampton's first clean sheet of the season, um, which kind of says it all for me in terms of our ineffectiveness at front, quite frankly. 
Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on how last night went for you and uh, some of the key things that stood out? As you just said there, Liam, uh, it was Northampton's first clean sheet of the season. And we mentioned it prior to the game. They were there for the taking. And we just, I don't know what it was, but we we were very underwhelming going forward. Um, I know after the game, I spoke to you two lads um, on the group chat. And um, we had some slightly contrasting different views. But uh, we, we got on the same track for, uh, eventually. But yeah, it was, just, it was just so flat going forward. And it concerned me because as soon as Fraser went off, we didn't look like scoring at all. I know we didn't look like scoring when he was on, but is that because of obviously he wasn't feeling too great, which we'll mention later on. But I've also, I felt we were very one-dimensional. Um, in the sense of we had no tempo, it was too slow, and we only got going in like the first, I think it was like the final twenty minutes, and we actually wanted to uh, try and do that extra bit of something and try and win the game. And I felt it was a bit too late um, then. So yeah, just the one shot on target throughout the whole game was very disappointing, and uh, somehow it's got worse than the AFC game. Yeah, I can only agree with that. Um... Well, maybe attacking-wise, definitely worse than the AFC game, obviously. Yeah, attacking-wise, yeah. Yeah, um, it wasn't great. And I'm kind of glad we've got a little break from the league now because we're just not performing in it, quite frankly, for the majority of part. We're not attacking-wise anyway. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on how last night went and some of the key ideas that you sprung to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with most of what Ross said, but sort of just play devil's advocate here. You, I think... If you look at both these, the last, um, I think the last four games, we've only actually conceded two goals. And that's, and that is much, much, you know, it's much better than what we had earlier in the season. And I think, especially with Keo and Fisher back there, we, we do look a lot more solid. And when it's not as if we're conceding 20 shots a game and getting lucky, we're, we're, we're restricting teams to only a few chances a game. But, but it seems to come at the cost of not actually having anything ourselves. And it's it, it, in the final third, we're, we're looking to, you know, Paul and Harvey, who have, have been good. They've got great delivery. But at the end of the day, they, they are defenders. And we don't really have that winger or that, that someone that can just turn something from nothing other than Fraser, arguably. You know, Walker, he can run with the ball, OK, but he's, he's not going to be doing that all game. And it, it, it's just... There was just no creativity. And I think the game was screaming out for someone like Gladwin, who I think should have potentially came on even earlier. And I think we mentioned um, in, in in our uh, chat last night that Houghton Kasumu together is just so negative and we don't need to be because fair enough if we're conceding 20 shots a game, but we're not. We're not giving many chances away yet. We're starting with two defensive-minded midfielders. And to me, I, I just wish Russell would go for it a bit more. Yeah, it was way too conservative last night. And um, I'm pretty sure me and Ross had Glappen starting from minute one and our like predicted lineups. Um it just felt like his game. I don't understand I don't I didn't understand the thinking of the two hard midfielders. Uh, it didn't make much sense. Um obviously the hope of bringing in the ten, uh, which obviously was Fraser but tended Thompson, was you know, to try and ignite his creativity, but it's just, it just doesn't work sometimes and they need to find that balance, and I'm pretty sure we said that a few episodes ago. Yeah, I think that's um, the key thing: balance. They just can't. They just can't seem to find it at the moment, and it's uh, 
it's very frustrating. And um, the hope is that these next two games, although we yes, they are trying to rest players, I feel it's important we have a strong lineup for both games because we need a bit of consistency and ultimately good results uh, to take into the league, especially with uh, Sunderland next Saturday coming up, which will be next episode. Um, yeah, so the, one of the key points from last night's game, unfortunately, was uh, Scott Fraser going off in the first half. Um, it came out after the game. He's going have a COVID test. Um, for some reason, I, I, it sprung to mind that it might be a concussion. I'm not too sure why, but if he was a bit lightheaded and things like that, then I think there's every chance it could be a concussion. But let's hope that this COVID test comes back negative and you know he gets a bit of rest during these next two games where you'd like to think he won't be needed, but who knows, um, maybe he will be. Um, but I thought his placement, Louis Thompson, came on, did a right in the 10. Um, you know, he's he's one of those midfielders who is willing to drive the defence. And I think I'd like to see him and Gladwin um, in his next couple of games, maybe get a bit more solid game time. I think they will, um, as they are willing to, as we said, run at defenders and, you know, put a bit of aggressiveness on them rather than them having to come to us and put the pressure on us. Um, yeah, I... Joe, what did you think of perhaps hoping the Fraser's injury isn't too serious? What did you think of Louis Thompson in the ten last night? Yeah, I think I think with Thompson, he 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 played really well against Gillingham, um, and both of the goals were pretty much all due to him. I think he played in Regan Paul uh, for the cutback for Jerome, and he also he, he then assisted one of Morris's goal, uh, Morris's goal, and I, I think. With Louis Thompson, I think he's he's really cute with his little passes. He he finds good space. But I think with someone for someone like Louis Thompson, you need players off him. I don't think he's the sort of player that's going to win you the game on his own. And I think someone else that could play that that role is is, is Ben Gladwin. And we we saw against um, with his goal against Oxford, you know, he, he he can he can drive from deep, and he can turn, he can hold players up, he can win win um win balls in in the air, and and he's got and he's not afraid to mix it up and try a 40-yard pass and get in behind. And I think sometimes we've, we've missed that. You know, it's, we're, I'm all for pass, 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 try and cross, cut back. But sometimes you do need to mix it up and take a gamble. With, if you see someone making a good run, play it over the top. And I, I feel that Gladwin could, could be the answer in, in, in that regard. Yeah, I was actually just thinking now, maybe, obviously we had the two sitting midfielders, but... I feel Gladwin with his passing range could easily, you know, be that sort of player to compliment Thompson. Like we said, he he could sit back a bit and obviously with his passing range, you know, direct the play a little bit more. But yeah, I said he could also drive the defence and I don't understand why he's not starting, especially over someone like Houghton in the three on the field. And I don't know bad mouth Houghton too much, but he was poor last night. Yeah, um, yeah, great. yeah literally, I think I can't, I think he gave the way four or five times in the first 10 minutes last night. Uh, and yeah, it, it just set a bad omen for the whole game. And uh, I'd be very surprised to see Houghton and Kasumi both in the same midfield against Eastley on Sunday, that's for sure. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, how Thompson, how you thought Thompson performed and maybe what are your thoughts on the 10 role going forward? I feel like, obviously, with Scott Fraser, he's not going to be able to play every single game. So we've no, got to no. find that alternative. Mm, very true. And I just feel... With Louis Thompson, I, I, I like him in where Schumann and Houghton were. I like him playing in that deep, that deep role. So he, he's, he is strong. He likes to uh, intercept the ball. He can drive us up the pitch when needs to, when he needs to. And I think he's actually pushed on from the, last, uh, the end of last season as well. 
which is quite positive. But I just I just feel I couldn't agree with Joe more. Ben Gladwin just suits that number ten, number ten role to a T. He's got that physical presence. He's got, as Joe said, his passing range. And or we can go with someone, and it might surprise a few, but Lars Sorensen. I've seen him playing obviously in that midfield, and he's got he likes to drive. So maybe he can change. Russ can tweak his game slightly, and um, play in that number ten role and drive us up the pitch and create a bit more for us. But at the end of the day, we've got to find that alternative because we can't rely on one player. Because of as soon as one one team find out what we're doing, they're literally just man Mark and Fraser, and we've got nothing, and we we're pretty much void going up top. Yeah, well, to be honest, Ross, I think they already have found out what we're doing, and um, even evident <laughs> the past two games how uh, you know we kind of we're just playing it around. It's it's well, we'll get on to the topic in a second, but we're just not doing anything with the ball. And it's just it's just like a training match. It's they're not doing anything, and they're not. It's so hard to watch, and oh, yeah, it's frustrating. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I'd love to see Gladwin and Thompson together in the midfield, and um, maybe not both games, just because you know we want to see them against Sunderland as well. If especially if Fraser doesn't return in time. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that dynamic and see how it works. And uh, I feel like Eastleigh and uh, Southampton at home. I believe it's home, um, are going to be the two games at which you know we could test it out and test the wars, essentially. Yeah, so we kind of just alluded to it there a little bit, but um, the next sort of subject we want to talk about was the Dons essentially ineffectiveness going forward. Um, I just pulled some stats just to like, read off, essentially. So, uh, again, like the yeah, so the game, we had uh, zero shots on target in the second half. And um, that was with 75% possession in the second half, which uh, is crazy high. Um, there were zero clear chances for the Dons throughout the whole game. And um, out of the 19 crosses, which I believe were all in the second half, only two of them found a Dons player. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't very good. And none of those uh, stats are very positive. Um, and it's kind of what we talked about against AC Wimbledon, really, a little bit. It's a bit of deja vu, I suppose, in uh this, it's just not working and yeah maybe teams have found us out already which I wouldn't be surprised if they did it's it's a pretty simple thing to understand you just sit back and put a bit of pressure on and can counter attack us uh, I don't think it's too hard to understand and I don't think the tactical uh, meetings are too long for the opposition at the moment um, but as we kind of spoke about we set up wrong from minute one uh, Houghton and Kasumi didn't work quite frankly in a deeper role and um, it was way too conservative from us um, as we knew the team would have Northampton would like, happily sit back and just let us do this passing style because we we're ultimately just sort of playing into mistakes and um, we did uh, and luckily we didn't get punished for him last night but against the against Sunderland or even an Eastley uh, who knows we could get punished once or twice and lose the game and uh, get an embarrassing defeat in the FA Cup the first round um, Joe what are your thoughts on again us uh, the Dons not really being that effective up front and what you think could be the solution to uh, changing that? Yeah, I think one one of the things Russ said in the week leading up to the AFC Wimbledon game is if you look at between the boxes, we're probably the, the best team in the league. We're, we're, out, we're getting into dangerous areas a lot of the time. I think it was 19 crosses and, and only two of them actually hit a Don's man. And yeah, I think sorry, yeah. with, yeah, with the width... Um, it's it, it's being provided by two defenders, and we've said, you know, as wing backs, they are good wing backs. But at the end of the day, we don't have 
wingers, and we the, the only striker really that drifts wide is is Walker, and so you don't have that consistent high quality delivery or threat from wide areas. And I feel that Paul and Harvey are good wing backs. There's no doubt about it. But to rely on them as being your main creative output, I feel. It's especially in the past two games when both teams have played three at the back, and I believe it's the first time we've actually come up against three at the backs. It's been it's been far too easy for teams to just stop that supply line, and we just haven't really had the movement or the quality in the middle to be able to diversify. And I think that I, I mean I mentioned it earlier, but the fact of how solid we've been recently, I feel, just has almost hamstrung us in the fact that. It's it's sacrificed some of our attacking play, and as a result of playing five defenders, we've only you know you've only got then three midfielders and two two strikers. Whereas if, if for instance you were playing a four three three or the four four and then the diamond, you've got the wing backs as well as you know five midfielders, uh, four midfielders and two strikers. So I feel. Part of it is to do with the formation, but that formation is also allowing us to dominate the ball. But there's no point having the ball if you're not actually doing anything with it. Yeah, they said that pretty much. Uh, Ross, I know you wanted to um, talk about the wing-backs in particular. Do you want to briefly mention that? Yeah, I think Joe touched on it slightly. I just felt they were very ineffective throughout the whole game last night. They're just far too high up the pitch. I know when we... Um, in, if you play four at the back, you've got the case of your wing, um, well, your wing backs uh, over overlapping as such, and I just don't feel like they're doing it in this system. I feel feel like they're just too far too high, and as Joe said, that they're, they're, that's acting such as like wingers, and I feel like we've seen it in the, especially I think it was the Ipswich and Portsmouth games where we're reaping the benefits of these wing backs and. We're seeing the runs and in the channels and et cetera. And I, I just didn't see any, anything like that last night. And um, I felt like when they got the ball up high, they were going either backwards, or as Joe said, that the, the delivery was shocking and it was over hit every single time. And I felt when Sorinola played um, against AFC, I think that was his problem. And... I feel like Harvey's got the exact same problem now and I think Russ needs to really start working on delivery in the box because of, as you say, we're not going to be able to play through the channels every single week and teams are going to sit deep. So we're going to have to exploit it from a different area. But I'd also like to just say, if you can't win games, certainly don't lose them. And we would have lost that game a couple of weeks back. And I know there's a silver lining and all of that, but I just felt felt we probably would have took that performance defensively for granted a few weeks back. And we really need to highlight that defence because obviously it has improved a lot since the start of the season. Yeah, yeah. Now that's our next topic, I'll talk about how defensively solid we were. Um, I suppose we'll get onto it now. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously with Northampton's kind of sitting back against us, you know, they didn't really threaten too much. Um Obviously, they had their burst where they hit the crossbar from a set piece and set pieces were kind of their only real time where they really threatened us that much, to be completely frank. Um, but, you know, that shouldn't take any credit away from the defence. It limited them to very few opportunities. Uh, and I suppose that's the benefit from setting up a bit conservative is that, you know, you have that 
solidarity at the back and uh, you know you're gonna not as it happened for example last night you're not gonna see many chances and uh, it's a vast improvement from the AFC game where we saw Joe Pickett quite frankly dominate our back three and he should have scored a hat-trick in, in that one other day he would have um, yeah so Joe did you want to touch upon how well the defence played last night and uh, yeah give your thoughts on that yeah, I think it's especially tough when you're coming up against a team like Northampton and AFC Wimbledon. Like you said, they've just the pickets must be six foot four, and I think it's Harry Smith who's six foot six. They're absolute giants, and they really just they make it. They make try and make it into a battle. And I think Russ said mentioned in his interview last night we we didn't turn it into a battle. And I think I guess that is one one thing that I would like to say that we did well yesterday is we did keep our heads. We didn't do what we did against Oxford and let the nitty fouls get to us. Um, but I think one of the key things in terms of the defence and the improvement is, I think one Fisher, I think he's played four games now, he's only conceded two goals. And um, I was having a look at, um, there's a website called FB Ref, and um, they do some really great statistics. And um, I was looking at some statistics about um, when different players are on the pitch and how many goals go, go for or against whilst they're on the pitch. And whilst we've had Cargill on the pitch, we've only scored five goals, but we've conceded 10. Uh, whereas with Keo on the pitch, we've scored seven and, um, and, we, and, we, and we've only conceded five. And I think there's only three or four other Dons players which have a, a positive goal sort of ratio, if you want, and Fisher being one of them. And I feel that just, just by having better players available, it has really helped us defensively. And it's just getting a bit of structure and uh, a bit of consistency. I think I think we said a few weeks ago, we just want to see the same back three or very similar back three just for the next few weeks because the only way that, especially in defence, you need consistency and you need to, to trust the people alongside you. And I feel that that's starting to creep in now. And it's just, yeah, like, like, like we said, it's almost coming in spite of our attacking play rather than as well as our... our are attacking play. Yeah, it's very much building from the back, right, and then going from there. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, which isn't the want... worst way to do it. No, it's not completely. I'd rather it. I'd rather it be that way than the other way around for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we said, yes, said, Joe, we said a few weeks ago that we wanted to see a consistent back three, as we felt that's the best way forward, and uh, we've, we've got what we wished for, and it seems to be working. So we can't really complain too much. It'd just be nice to see. Or to be at least rewarded on the upper end of the pitch by some goals, but I'm sure that will come, especially against these next two games. Speaking of the next two games, um, obviously our first one is against uh, Eastleigh in the FA Cup first round. Um, Joe, do you want to take us away to Eastleigh and tell us a bit about them? Yeah, I've got a little bit of background on them because I mean, I, I, I've never really seen them play, and I don't know too much about them. Uh, they're in the, the National League, so that's two leagues below us in the conference. Um, they're managed by a young manager, Ben Strevens. Um, as far as I can tell, he hasn't he hasn't had too many jobs in football, but he seems to be doing a pretty OK job. Um, before the um, season was curtailed last season, they were 16th in the National League. So by no means were they were they uh, one of the big guns in the league. Um, they, um, they've got a few ex-managers, uh, pretty high profile as well, Martin Allen. Um, who, who we had at Dons, and uh, also Ronnie Moore, ex Tranmere. Um, and they also actually used to be owned by Stuart Donald uh, before he then took over uh, Sunderland. So, uh, I think I, I seem to remember a few years ago they did have a little bit of money 
in the, in the National League. Uh, they've also got a bit of pedigree in the FA Cup. Uh, last season, they uh, had a, um, took Crew to a replay after drawing one all, and they did lose that replay, but it just shows that they, they can go toe-to-toe with uh, Football League opposition. Um, this season, they're, they're, they're doing all right, to be honest. They're currently sit fifth in the table, having played six games. Uh, they won three, drawn two, and lost the one. And uh, in terms, their 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 uh, trend this season is almost the complete opposite of our last couple of games. They've uh, they've been scoring absolutely plenty, but they've also been shipping them in at the back. And I think that's mainly due to they've got some they've got two really really good strikers in there. They've got Tyrone Barnett, who's an experienced uh, uh, football league. Uh, I wouldn't say legend, but he's he's been around quite a few clubs in the football league. He's he's got two and five this season, and uh, Ben House, a younger, uh, a quite a young striker, twenty one years old. He's got five and five. So I feel that you know those are the men to watch out for on on um, on sun on Sunday. It is um, the last three games. I think this just shows perfectly just just what sort of club they are at the moment. They've uh, they uh, drew two all to Aldershot two all. They lost three two to Dover, and then they won two one away to uh, to Bromley. So that, as I said, they're scoring goals. That's uh, I think it what was uh, seven goals in their last uh, couple of games. Uh, but they've also been shipping them, shipping them. So I feel that that, that they are quite leaky at the back, but they, they certainly will be a threat. And for a team like us, who have been pretty solid. But I think we just need one of them games where we, we just get a few. It'd be good for confidence, good all round, get some strikers into some form. I think it could be a really good opportunity for us to really push on. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think we can win it. But but I think there's definitely a lot to be wary of with uh, with, with Eastley. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for that, Joe. Um, Ross, I know you, you usually speak about some key players. I know you've got some of your notes down. I think um, Joe mentioned about House, but I know you've got some more. So why don't you go over those? Yeah, I was doing a bit of research and um, they've got a familiar name. And I know uh, me and Julian have mentioned him in the past by the name of Jack Payne. Um, he He's the heart of that midfield in the Eastley lineup. Um, he breaks the play, breaks up the play so well. And he's very much an organiser of the team. And I think the reason why the name stuck out so much, I couldn't quite put my uh, hand on it. And he's at actual ex-Peterborough player and that's why it stuck out so much <laughs> um, they played for them in 2016 so they've got that um, experience in the, in the, top, in the side um, but also someone who's you don't get much more experience than this um, 30 years of age in Andrew Boyce at centre-half he's played um, at some very respectful clubs in Scunthorpe, Lincoln, Notts County and um, I think from top of my head he started in every single National League game this season so it shows how vital he is in um, in their side but I think overall um, Eastley have conceded 2.5 go- um, over 2.5 goals in the past three rounds so I think that's something to watch on our side and I feel as Joe said if we can dictate our game and stick to our own game we should have more than enough to beat them. Yeah, I remember uh, Jack Payne being one in part of one of my like uh, scouting reports. Uh, yeah. couple, uh, I think it was not last season. Yeah, last um, season. Yeah. Yeah, I also went to Lincoln. Didn't do too much there. Um, 
but I'll yeah, take it away then. Go. <laughs> no, no, we're we're all day. Um, but no, no, I I pretty much echo what you two have said. I think it'll be quite an open, competitive game. Um, you know, as you said, they the score goals are fun, but they also shift from the other end. So uh, definitely, it's kind of a perfect game for us. You know, we can test our defense out, see how good they really are against a team who's going to be going for it and you know needs to win as much as us. And um, but also, you know, open in the back so could be a chance to get some players on form and build on that creativity that we seem to be lacking in the past few games um, I just want to mention they're quite a strong team at home um, just in October alone they've had three league wins and one draw so it's going to be I know people will say oh it's a non-league team should be beating them but I feel I feel like if we do put in a strong performance here it shouldn't go underestimated they're a very good team and uh, from what I've watched in the past few years uh, yeah it's not going to be an easy game for sure and um Playfully, I'm going to stream it on iPlayer. Apart from us, so should get a pretty good game. I would like to think. Uh, anything to add, gents? Before we get into some players we want to see featured in two games, um, I no. believe they. I believe they've got an ex-AFC Wimbledon goalkeeper in there. I think it's Joe McDonnell. So oh, okay. just that's just a nice, nice one to look out for there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. After after he's picking out the fourth from the back of his net. Exactly. Oh, the joy. <laughs> Jay Bird Hattrick. Right, gents. So um, we asked, well, I put out a tweet um, just to the listeners regarding, because uh, you know, we're, we're respecting rotation, right? And we wanted to see, you know, what sort of listeners are thinking regarding who maybe they thought deserved to run the games before we have our league trip to Sunderland. Because obviously we have two games before that, obviously Eastleigh, which we talk about now. And then, of course, Southampton in the Papa John's it's trophy, I believe it's called. It's uh, like fourth name change in the past two years. Um, yeah, so getting some comments. Um, a good friend of the pod, as usual, Martin got in touch. Uh, Martin J. Afferton on Twitter. And uh, he echoed that he likes to see Jay Bird. And I have to admit, Jay Bird is uh, one of the names on my list um, in terms of getting minutes. I feel like it's the best opportunity for him to, you know, smash it and hopefully impress some people. Um Jonathan also got in touch. He'll be on the next episode. Little spoiler alert. Um, Harris on 87. Uh, he gave a whole list of players, um, but some of the notable names there were uh, Gladwin and um, if he's not injured, Cargill, but I've heard he's injured. I'm not sure where the rumour came from, but if he is injured, then he can't feature, of course. Um, and finally, uh, John Taylor, uh, one and a half of the Sit Down All Your Steel Club podcast, uh, the other MK Don's podcast. So if you've not listened to that, make sure you listen to that. Um, we'll leave a link to their podcast in the description alongside Connor's donation link. Um, he actually mentioned the forgotten man of the team, Kieran Agard. Um, you know, he's back fit now. Um, and, you know, he adds to the striking sort of umbrella we've got at the club um, and yeah it'll be interesting to see if he features actually because we haven't seen him in a long time so gents um, based on those comments I pass it over to you Ross um, who are a few players you'd like to see feature in the next couple of games that maybe haven't been featuring as much as we'd like to recently I think um, one name I just wanted to see and I don't think he's been on the bench this season correct me if I'm wrong is Jack Davies. He got offered his first pro contract and um, Russ spoke very highly of him when he signed. And I just think this is a great opportunity. Maybe not the FA Cup, maybe the Southampton under-23s game. It's a bit of a step up for him. And I, I just want to see what quality he's got in the centre-half position. And I, ju- I just hope Russ gives him a chance and we can finally uh, see what he's got to offer in, this, in the squad going forward. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting actually to see him with like a um, like a Keo and a Livington in the back three. That'd be interesting, just to see you know how he deals with like them two. You know, sort of maybe not barking orders at him, but you know, strikes them a bit. Um, and obviously, he must have been picking up stuff for them in training. So yeah, that's an interesting suggestion. I quite like that. And of course, he's uh, playing the under eighteen games tonight, isn't he? I believe they were in three one last time we checked um, for recording anyway. So good to see that they're doing well. Uh, Joe, who are a couple of players that you're thinking of that you'd like to see feature in the next couple of games? Um, I think um, uh, Freeman did a really good uh, job when, I think it was the Northampton game, he came off the bench, he got two assists. So I really would like to see him again. And I, I think he, he had a bit of a, a bad game. I think, believe it was Coventry, he was at centre-back playing out of position. So it would be nice to see him start a game in his, in his favoured position because I feel like he really could add something. Um, in terms of the A-guard shout, I... I, I, I do respect Agard and I'm grateful for what he's done for this club. But the way I look at it, we've got play. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it as a viable option almost to play him because I think we've got players like Mason and Bird who are much more are going to be much more involved. Uh, Bird, he's definitely one for the future, and and I, I feel like it would almost be a wasted opportunity for to maybe get Mason firing to get. A walker up to fitness or, and just to give Bird some crucial minutes and there's only two striker positions at the end of the day so I, I personally would like to see Mason, Bird and Walker used used uh, over the over the two games Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough um, I love the Freeman show um, it's actually John Freeman's birthday he's 19, 19 year old so uh, happy birthday John if you're listening um, but yeah, I'd love to see Makes you feel um, old <laughs> Yeah, well um, yeah, I mean I'd love to see Freeman and Bird to be honest so those two of the names that I had on my list, um, especially Bird, I just want to see what it's about, basically. And obviously we saw him in the um, game against Stevenage, but I'd want to see him, especially against Eastleigh, just to see what it's like against, you know, in a tough game, perhaps a tough environment. Obviously it would have been would have been tougher with fans there, but of course that's not an option. Um, really competitive as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not just a, it's not just a dead, not just a, a youth team tournament. It's a proper... Um, took proper tournament easily are really going to be giving it a big shot against a big team going for round two so yeah I think it's a different environment for some of these younger kids yeah both teams need to win and as, as we said easily are really good at home arguably one of the best teams in the fifth division at home so yeah it's going to be a tough game and I don't think people should underestimate it at all um, I will mention one name obviously uh the backup goalkeeper for now, Lee Nichols. Um, <laughs> there's a chance he gets a game against Southampton. I wouldn't say Eastley just because I'd like to think that Russ will want to keep the back four, the, well, the goalkeeper in the back three the same for Eastley, um, just because I do think it'll be quite a good test. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nichols finally get run out again and uh, see if he's improved on his um, ball playing ability. Eh? So yeah, that's um, that was everything Eastley um, and some players you maybe want to see in the next couple of games. So let's go on to predictions for the Eastley game, gents. Um, I'll kick it off, I suppose. Um, I'm expecting the defence to pretty well for the most part keep Eastley out. Um, as we've kind of mentioned, they're quite an attacking team, so I reckon they'll be going for us. And uh, you know, it should be a quite entertaining game to watch. Um, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because. Well, apart from Northampton, and we we've really struggled away from home to keep a clean sheet. Um, but I do expect us to be quite well better, at least on the creative side against um, ultimately weaker opposition. So I've gone with a fairly confident three-one Milton Keynes Dons. Oh. I know the elusive oh, away wins. It's, it's not. Sorry, it's not... Stop, 
Sorry to steal your thunder, but I've also gone for a 3 1 away win. Oh, we're in sync, <laughs> Joe. We're in sync. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, similar to you, I think that I think we will ship a goal because I think they will be going for us. But it, it's unusual because a lot of teams this season so far, they've just been more worried about stopping us rather than trying to play themselves. And like you say, if Eastley are going to come at us, I think they will be space. There will be spaces. So I think we, with with our quality, I think I think we'll be able to take advantage of them. Yeah. So without getting too far ahead of ourselves, these like next three games. Um, so Eastley, Southampton, then Sunderland, which is our next episode. Um, they're going to be really nice games just to you know get this attack going, get the cogs turning again, and. Uh, I said, hopefully we see some goals on Sunday morning or Sunday, is it Sunday afternoon, isn't it? Sorry, Sunday afternoon. 12.45, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So you can stream it on BBC iPlayer, I believe. Uh, Debbie's actually on the TV, but you can Chrome. I, I, I'll Chromecast it anyway. So. I think it's on Red Button. <clears throat> oh, is it? Oh, okay, nice. You can then. Brilliant. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your prediction for Eastley? Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting, obviously, rotation to take place and have a mixture of youth and experience. But I feel like if these youth players are coming in, then they're not going to be expecting to um, walk all over Eastleigh. So I just want just want to say I hope them youth players. Sorry, Noli, if he does come in, um, just not underestimate them and play 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 our own game basically. And I feel like the experience and uh, our class will eventually come through. Um, in the fight, I I believe it's going to be. A Quite a tight game. Um, I think both teams, yeah, they'll want to go at each other. But recently, Don's struggled to even uh, attack. So um, I've, I'm going to change my prediction slightly. I'm going to go for a one-nil Don's victory. Oh. Just so, just so everyone knows, yeah, just so everyone knows, Ross initially went for two-nil. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it's going to be worse. Isn't that? Slightly nervous. <laughs> Do we do we count this as a proper away win if we win? No. Oh, it's a cup though. We have to, don't we? It's it's not a Mickey Mouse it's cup. It's a win. decent cup. It's the FA Cup. Uh, I just want their league I'm... league away. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, at least we've got an obviously easy league away game coming up next. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Best well, defense it should... in the league. <laughs> it should have been last night if they had really gone for it. Yeah. Oh, anyway, let's forget about that. <laughs> yeah, so before we close off tonight, I just want to mention, um, unfortunately, it's no Monday pod this week. Um, we're going to combine the Eastleigh and Southampton reviews uh, this time next week. So uh, we'll do that alongside the Sunderland preview. And as you mentioned, uh, Jonathan, we come back on um, just to do that with us. So we get four of us and you'll get I'm sure, a bumper episode of previews and previews. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you very much for listening to episode 11 of the MK1 podcast. It would mean the world to us if you could rate, review and subscribe. Um, as you always mentioned, the reviews go a long way in terms of giving us feedback and also getting the podcast out there to you know new listeners and uh, especially listeners who perhaps aren't MK Dons fans. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening to episode 11 and come on you Dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.